The Frankie Files. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 6 of The Frankie Files. I just want to say hello to Kathy in LA County. Thank you so much for your feedback. It means so much that you're listening. Thank you. First, I have a special program note about the Frankie Files podcast. I've chosen each second Tuesday, which is this episode, to talk about sexual assault in society, sexual abuse. And FYI, mind control is the theme of the first Tuesdays. Sexuality, the second Tuesdays, as I mentioned. Cult news and talk, the third Tuesday. And fourth Tuesdays are dedicated to adult children of cults. When there are five Tuesdays in a month, I'll interview experts and survivors of cults and sexual assault. Okay, so this episode, I want to start with the fallout from the international sex trafficking ring with Epstein, and that continues to play out. Here are two updates on it from this week. February 19th, by Angela Cheriton of the Associated Press, location Paris, a modeling agent who was close to disgraced U.S. financier Jeffrey Epstein was found dead Saturday in his French jail cell, where he was being held in an investigation into rape and sex trafficking of minors, according to Paris Prosecutor's Office. Paris police are investigating Jean-Luc Brunel's death at the historic La Santa prison in Paris, the prosecutor's office said. Victims of his alleged abuse described shock and dismay that the 75-year-old, a well-known model scout in the 80s and 90s, who ran different agencies in Paris and New York, will never face trial. They call his death a double blow after Epstein killed himself in 2019 in a Manhattan jail while awaiting sex trafficking charges. Brunel's lawyers suggested Saturday that he too killed himself. In a statement, they described his distress at his incarceration and his repeated requests for provisional release from the prison. This really gets my goat. Jean-Luc Brunel never stopped declaring his innocence, they said. His decision was not guided by guilt but by a deep sentiment of injustice. The lawyers would not further comment on what happened, and it was unclear whether the jail had suicide prevention measures in place. Cough. What a joke. Brunel was detained at Paris Charles de Gaulle Airport in 2020 as a part of the broad French probe unleashed by the U.S. sex trafficking charges against Epstein. A frequent companion of Epstein, Brunel was considered central to the French investigation into alleged sexual exploitation of women and girls by the U.S. financier in his circle. Epstein traveled often to France and had apartments in Paris. One of Epstein's main accusers, Virginia Roberts Giffray, has alleged that Brunel procured women, some of them minors, for sex with Epstein and other wealthy people, luring them with promises of modeling work. Next, the news regarding Prince Andrews via CNBC's Dan Magnese. Britain's Prince Andrew has agreed to settle out of court a lawsuit accusing him of sexually assaulting an underage girl while she was under the control of sex criminals Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell, a legal filing revealed Tuesday. The amount of money that Andrew has agreed to pay his accuser Virginia Giffray to settle her claims was not disclosed in the filing in Manhattan Federal Court where she had sued the Duke of York in August. But that document also said that Andrew, 61, will make a substantial donation to Ms. Giffray's charity in support of victims' rights. 
A statement jointly issued by lawyers for Giffray and Andrew's attorney says that he regrets his association with Epstein and commends the bravery of Ms. Giffray and other survivors in standing up for themselves and others. Wow. This really is a huge ring. I think that what we're seeing play out is the complexity of a sex ring, the international reach. It has to be set up. You know, the scam has to be set up to lure people to move around, uh, be far from anyone they can report to if something happens and that they're compromised. The travel would be, you know, sufficient for that. And we're seeing the apparent suicides it takes the the whole confrontation away from the victims. We're seeing the silencing of the truth in these matters. It's really shocking to see the propaganda played out. And I think it really opens my eyes as to how sex rings work. I was trafficked myself. And it's taken me many years to really come to grips with that. Um, these things don't just happen. When you're sexually assaulted, and mine went on for years, um, you were put in place into a compromising position before any of that ever takes place. So when people say, oh, why didn't you run or why didn't you uh, fight back? The power these people have over a victim is how they get their victims. It's not in an alley somewhere, you know, especially the long-standing abuse. So watching this play out, you know, it's going to go on for a while. It's really shocking and I think we're seeing how the elite cover for each other. But the main topic I really want to talk about today is a question I've had, I had to confront after I got out of the abusive situation way back when, decades ago. Are sexual assault victims allowed to be sexy? Are we allowed to be sexy in society? I'll show you that not only should we be allowed to be sexy. It's intrinsic in our healing process that we take back our own sexuality. I believe each person has their own process and that no one can do it for you. No therapist or new relationship will do the healing. You have to figure this out. But being sexualized at a young age or being assaulted while an adult changes how you feel about you. We're social sexual beings after all, and that is why it's so important to take it back. But how? How do we take it back? A sex assault survivor struggles not to let events that changed us forever change us forever. That's a bit of a puzzle, though, isn't it? But it is solvable. It's a process. We have to rewire our brains to reinvent who we are. Even retrain our brains, shake off guilt, regret, shame for an event or a series of events that changed who we are and we had no control over, but it's not over there. We were each forced to, as one book I read put it, become asexual or hypersexual during our recovery. While we establish new boundaries, this happens like we're swinging on a pendulum. When a predator sexualizes and conditions you sexually against your will, whether it was violent or manipulative in execution, one time or multiple times, it changed your very center of gravity sexually, your point of balance. 
your balance of yourself. Doing that changes your sense of self, your identity. Is this what they enjoy knowing the most, our predators? I often wonder. We're social sexual beings. I can assure you that your sexual power is not gone. It's not. Are you allowed to be sexy? If we have been victimized, how how can you regain that? Can you feel safe while doing that? Can you experience confidence sexually? In short, yes, I've done it. We cannot do this as victims, only as survivors. Let me comment on that. I recently listened to Steve Hassan's podcast, which I recommend, and he has an auspicious author on, uh, one of his guests called Jay Lifton, L-I-F as in father, T-O-N. He states that once you have made the decision to live, you make the transformation from victim to survivor. And you can help others with what he calls your survivor wisdom. Sharing your wisdom will help other survivors and perhaps prevent future victims. That decision to live is the point of transformation. I found that very powerful, the statement, and very true. I recommend Steve Hassan's podcast. For sex assault survivors, this can be simple. Things like taking our bodies back, learning to reclaim your body and health. If you were not allowed to exercise by a controlling predator, as I wasn't, that has an effect on you and your habits and your sense of self and your health. Just taking that back and getting a routine where you exercise daily or two to three times per week is a part of recovery. It may feel odd, different, or unfamiliar or uncomfortable because you were conditioned not to do it aggressively. You work, though, to initially get past the emotional discomfort and mental alarms going off because, well, you were told not to do that. You have to set small and realistic goals. Forget everyone else. They do not know what you're going through. Be compassionate with yourself. Allow yourself to go at your own pace. You have time. Time means nothing at all. The Frankie Files. Hey, everybody. Check it out. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to start a podcast. It has all the tools in one place that you need right from your phone or computer to edit and publish your podcast. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms such as Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started now. I'm using it right along with you. Trying new styles as you reform your identity is important too. Both men and women who are survivors have to go through this. We have to retrain our view of ourselves, reshape it, quite literally. Use positive reinforcement and self-talk to get there. Retrain yourself to have a positive body image, not listening to the whispers of words spoken in the past by your aggressor. And I even dyed my hair. 
I couldn't even look in the mirror at the person I was. If you don't want to do the work, you may pay the price. The abuser gives us homework. They took real estate in our bodies and minds, and we must, we have to take it back. The choice if we don't is to check out sexually, to close that part of ourselves down like a room in storage, left unused, to make it an area of our lives we do not enjoy or use. You know, you eventually have to face if you want to grow. You have to face it. That's the unavoidable truth. It will not go away, and time means nothing at all, to quote Stick Figure, the reggae band lyrics. Time means nothing at all. It's just waiting there for us to start our recovery process, so why not start now? It's just there waiting for you to take care of as long as it takes or until you're ready where your sexuality was turned into your enemy and used against you, you have to make it your friend. If there's a part of your body or emotions that you refuse to enjoy, they're in effect dying, void of energy, wilting and withering. To deprive ourselves of even feeling sexier, looking what we think of as sexy, is to continue a sort of masochistic ritual of abuse on ourselves. That would make our abusers proud. Who wants to do that, right? Finding a new center without the memories, atmospheres, associations, smells, visuals that trigger abusive memories can be a challenge, but it's definitely worth it. Taking back our sexuality is taking back ourselves. So the answer is a resounding yes. We need to be sexy. We need to take our power back. There's a memory I have that really stands out on this topic. It's the little things sometimes that stay in your head, right? I was at a restaurant and I watched my abuser flirt with a female waitress, our waitress. And as the waitress walked away, they said to me, why can't you have that personal power, that sex appeal or something like that? And this is one of those moments I sat stunned and didn't have an answer but thought and thought and thought about for years. Time stopped. The irony, it was so magnified. The person who sought to shape my very sexual image to play God with it and deform it has the nerve to ask me basically, why don't you have sex appeal? Because you stole it. Because you perverted it. You turned me into something of a plaything that had nothing to do with me. Things like that. Those verbal cuts. Those were and are for others still some of the most abusive, cruel, and gruesome acts of all. For the predator to pretend to your victim's face that you're not the reason they aren't strong. To pretend that you stole nothing from them, including their virginity. To treat the perversion of a young person like it not only did not happen, but that it's valueless. Yourself, your identity of you, your sex appeal, to treat it like it's worthless shows that these assholes don't even know what they want. What do you expect? Subservience and confidence? It's literally insane and shows their insanity. 
Then why did my predator go out of their way to take something so pure and corrupted if it has no value? Because it does have value. That's why I have value. This is why victims of sexual assault need to retake their sexuality. It's for our sanity. I did it as a dancer. Every performance was a huge F.U. to my abusers. When I was in burlesque, not just ballroom, but when I was in burlesque and I would do a headstand, I was like, this is my middle finger in the air. Like, I just don't care. To people in society that let me down and said nothing while I was trafficked into a cult and sexploited, I give them the finger. Every school counselor, every teacher, every cousin, relative that never checked on me, I give you the finger. To all those who participated in my trauma, I took that part of me back and I own it. You must also do the same. Blow out the cobwebs, torch the trash in a bin outside of your sexual area. Redecorate the room. Make it you. This real estate is occupied by you now, and no one else is allowed in without permission. I embraced me. I learned to not hate me, disallowed self-loathing. I learned to like me and the skin I live in, and I wanted to inhabit a nice place. So I worked on it for me. Yes, I went through all those stages with my sexual identity. From asexual, ignoring my sexuality completely, to hypersexual and looking for reassurance from the opposite sex. I can't deny it. I wanted to be desirable again and not to pervs. I tried to sex the pain away for a while, but I did not become my abusers. I did not hurt others. I'm glad about that. I also did not shut down sexually after being deprived of my natural development. I quite bravely went forth and lived. The episode I recently did on the amygdala touched on this a little bit. We have to let the memories wash over us and override them to stay in the present when triggered. We have to reimagine ourselves. Our strength is in our sexual identity, and it's powerful. We have to tap into that. It's just that the abuser tried to tap it first. No matter your age, the idea that you are desirable is just a healthy human disposition. It's a part of being a functional, centered human being. Find that out about you. You are desirable. And we know ourselves, there's that tiny center of you, that firm center in the core of you that remained you through any and all trauma. It's still there untouched. That small sanctuary in the mind, quiet and calm, the place deep inside us which can never be touched, find that and build it to be larger and more strong every day. Never let it be betrayed again, not by you or anyone else. The core of who we are can be tapped by us to rebuild who we are. That core of who we truly are is what gives us our inner strength no matter what is going on around us. 
The fact that we've been sexually traumatized, no matter the manner of that trauma, means we are even more in touch with that core of who we are. Why do I say that? Because once you have who you are as a social sexual member of society, once you know you have the power of attraction and are confident using it, you have it as a resource. Not to misuse on someone, but to draw power and confidence from. Because you have had who you are as a member of society challenged. You tend to double down on who you are unless you lose yourself completely. And I didn't. They, all the professionals in psych and neurology say we can retrain ourselves, our brains, our wiring. We can retrain them to be healthy. We can retrain our behavior anytime at any age. And many of us as survivors have done just that. We've reorganized our views of the world to ensure that these views impressed upon us are not how we see the world, to reprogram ourselves. That's part of recovery, and so is learning to have your own sexual identity despite what society thinks of you, because since society doesn't even have a good place for sexual abuse survivors to be, to heal, they get no say. The person only person that gets a say of who we are is ourselves. That's a promise I made to myself and I keep. No one else can truly reconcile me with me after that type of abuse. I had to balance and check in with and heal myself. I personally know this internal battle firsthand. I truly believe that if society cared to learn what I had been through, they would not have any, not any judgment on how I chose to represent myself. That's my choice. The Frankie Files. In fact, it's part of why I'm choosing to keep my own sexuality at the forefront of my story as I learn to speak out. It's an effort to actually represent my demographic. We were unwantingly sexualized before we learned who we were. This means our sexuality is intrinsically part of our healing process. I refuse to be embarrassed about my sexuality when those at the front of media in the world of TV and film show more skin than I ever have publicly or on the internet, and they make money on it. A lot of money. Hello, Kim Kardashian. So what? I was a stripper. I own that. Yep. And I would never have learned some things about me if I hadn't done that. While speaking to a fellow stripper one day, I realized her story was part of mine. She was unwittingly drugged by an abusive boyfriend and made an addict by putting it in her food without her knowledge. She didn't even realize this until she left. If I hadn't spoken with her... I never would have realized that I too was drugged in my teen and maybe even preteen years by my abusers. I tell this entire story in my book, and it's been a shock to have this memory come up out of nowhere, including fainting and smelling salts. It happened on a regular basis. If I hadn't embraced my sexuality in this way, I may never have encountered this missing piece of my past. The real question is, how can we prevent little girls from having to experience this like we did? 
teaching the next generation about how a predator first tricks your mind is the number one issue. Not all sexual assault happens by abduction in a van. Trafficking does not happen in a vacuum either. The predator seeks a crack in the victim's routine or in the armor of the family and chooses a target accordingly. Learning about manipulation of the mind should be very important to teach the youth, and it's just not taught. The sex ring elite wants to keep the people flowing through the trafficking rings. The fact that we've been through a sexual trauma and survived, we stayed alive, through the depression and self-doubt it thrusts on us, makes us experts. We've traveled through a dark area of the human mind, one of fetishes, desires, predatory stalking, obsession, compulsion, and the objectification of a real person into a plaything. This part of the human condition that we encountered, this evil, is still out there, even if your abuser's dead. Now generations need protection against this evil, and our best bet is not to shy away from this challenge, but to embrace it. Deciding to live is the number one thing for a victim to do, to survive and help prevent these traumas. The strength comes from deciding to live. I can attest to that. I had to embrace my own sexuality, not ignore it, to get there. And that means dissecting my sexuality and sorting out implanted landmines of my predator regain my space. And I'm sure it was awkward for those around me. Oh well. An excommunication of your abusers must take place to take back that stolen mental real estate. And when I embraced my sexuality, I found out that the opposite sex did find me desirable. In contrast to the indoctrination laid on me that I was undesirable to men. Oh, contraire. What a lie. This awful slander and propaganda fed to us by our abusers must be incinerated by the truth that the abuser's agenda required us to have no self-esteem. How convenient to desexualize a virgin so you can own her sexuality and keep it for yourself. How incredibly selfish and sinister that is. So I say to those of you who are survivors, look at it right in the face with me. Your abusers had an agenda and it could not be accomplished without destroying your sense of self, your sexual identity. That just proves one thing. The abuser's weak, broken, desperate, and cannot be liked by society for who they are because they are, in fact, an abomination. You are not that. You are nothing like that. They knew this. That's part of why they were attracted to you. Your purity and your innocence, your natural good nature, your vibes, your good looks. That still exists. They could not truly touch that or take it away. Let's face that first. They did not win. If not, we could just let shame and humiliation take its course, hide in anonymity, worst case scenario, commit suicide, or deprive ourselves of healthy relationships and careers. The fact is that being a survivor takes a lot of courage. 
You do have to draw from the pain to get to the courage. But it is not anger or revenge that heals us. That doesn't work. Being like the abuser, broken and thoughtless of others does not work in the end. It's literally honesty and deciding to live that will create a new space for us to be in moving forward. The fact is that nothing can live while staying in the same place. We must evolve, grow, take in sunlight and water and nourishment in order to live. Doing so with this challenge has made me who I am today. And if you ask me would I change that to trade in not having been abused, I'm not sure I'd answer yes. The knowledge of how the world works and how power works has made me knowledgeable about things some never face. And I now do not believe I would trade that for anything. Coming to grips with all that happened is a process, and facing what society may think about it is the hard part. Because unless you've been humiliated sexually, you could not possibly understand the struggle. But for those of you who have, we have an advantage in this world. Let's flip the script. You have an advantage that others do not have. Let's use it. Inside knowledge of things that can't always be spoken. A look into the abyss. The truth of the nature of humanity and how to wield our power for good, not evil. This is the true gift that comes out of recovering. It's not just for women. Men have been abused too. They just speak less about it. Ritual abuse, violent abuse, incest, rape are all things that happen on this planet. We cannot change that they happen. We can, however, grow to make knowledge available for future generations that this can be overcome, that nothing makes us worthless, nothing. They cannot do that, and we do not give them that power. People looking to use sexuality against someone cannot win, despite the idea in their heads that they did win. The simple fact of reclaiming ourselves proves that they did not win. So we not only can be sexy, we need to be. Our very being demands that we embrace ourselves as social sexual beings. And that gives us the center and strength to accomplish anything in this world. I myself am taking inspiration from Monica Lewinsky, who not only was manipulated by a powerful man, but shamed by people in the news who told only part of her story. She and many others are an inspiration for me to get in the game, stay in the game, and live life to its fullest. We have a strength that others may not understand. Instead of letting them be afraid of us, we need to teach that this strength is within each of us. It's a God-given part of who we are as human beings. And that can never be taken away. I hope you're inspired by some of today's topics. Join me each week to hear more on cults, mind control, and sexuality in society. Follow me on Twitter, YouTube, and the outlet where you like to hear podcasts most. Until next time. The Frankie Files